welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Awesome. Well, welcome. It's so good to have you joining with us today, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Um, it's really wonderful. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Matt. Um, I'm on team at Empower Church, and it's just a privilege to be able to serve you and connect with you in this way. Um, if you want more information about who we are, what we're all about at Empower Church, we want to encourage you to head over to our website, empowerchurch.co, and there's a whole lot of information there, especially in this season when a really significant kind of transition out of lockdown here in Melbourne, Victoria. We survived um, and there's still a little ways to go. Um, so all of the details about how we're connecting are gonna be on our website. I do wanna encourage you as well to, um, to, to, to fill out one of our connect forms online so that we can email you because weekly we release what we're doing in our North community and also in our East community. And that's different every week because we're in a very fluid situation here as we come out of our lockdowns. And it is, uh, it's exciting to be able to get out and about just even in the small way that we can. Um, but we're really excited um, as the weeks and months progress that we're gonna be able to do that uh, more and more. So it's gonna be really exciting. So stay tuned, fill out, that, fill out that form and do that. Hey, another thing that really helps us, we don't talk about this much at all, but um, especially if you're streaming this on um, on YouTube, but really any of the digital platforms, subscribe, like the videos, put some comments on there, and uh, just shout out and say hi. Um, just helps people find us in future, so that'd be really really good. Let's pray, and then we're just going to get into uh, a few thoughts today. Uh, Father, we come before you, and we do. We come before you in the name of Jesus. We honor you, we honor your presence. We believe in the reality of heaven on earth. We believe in the, the reality that your presence is real, that it's available to us. And Father, your word says in Jeremiah that if we seek with all our heart, that we will find. And so today we come as seekers. Today we come as people with an open heart, a soft heart. Lord, a soft mind. We lay down our um, our preconceived ideas about who you are. We lay down um, the religion that has clogged up our thinking and got in the way of who you are, our traditions, all of those sorts of things, because our number one heart is to know you more. And so, Holy Spirit, come and do your best work and reveal Jesus to us. Lord, I'm praying in this time, especially over our community, as... Uh, you know, even over the last week, Father, I've wrestled in prayer with the sense, for the sense of tiredness and exhaustion over our community. I just ask Holy Spirit for just a supernatural peace. Jesus, I'm reminded of your words that said, take my yoke, take my burden. It's easy and it's light. 
And so, Father, right now, we just thank you, Lord, for that right now. We thank you, Lord, that there's an ease, that there's a lightness about following you, Jesus. And we lay down our worries and we lay down our fears and our, and our anxieties around the future, around the present, around what we're going through. And we just thank you that you're Lord. And thank you, Father, that the overarching story of your sovereignty and your power, your majesty and your might is unchanging. And we just worship you. I'm praying today for each one in our community, each one listening to this, that you would speak to their heart, change their life, and let your presence, the reality of your presence, the tangible, touchable presence of Holy Spirit be manifest as we listen and as we receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to read Matthew chapter 28, verse number 16 in a moment. We'll scoot around a few scriptures today. Um, I don't want to spend too much time as we're drawing um, kind of to the end of the year. Um, our assignment with these is just to continue to keep um, provoking thought, uh, bringing revelation, talking about who Jesus is, and challenging you in your faith in this time. In prayer this week, I really felt the Lord impress upon my heart that word transition. And um, But for the sake of time, I didn't quite have enough time this week to, to prepare um, in a way that I would have liked to, to deliver a message on transition. I do want to acknowledge that word that the Lord put in my spirit for us as a community more broadly, but more specifically also for us at Empower Church as the church of Jesus. We are in a transition. I want, to re- I want you to rewind with me for those of you that have been in church life for a little while, five years ago, even three years ago. Let's go back to 2019 when we're all praying for revival. We're praying for a move of God. And we were praying words like, Lord, whatever it takes, would you come and move upon your church? And we were praying crazy prayers We're praying outlandish prayers. We're praying prayers that, to be honest with you, in hindsight, I'm not sure we realized what we were actually praying. And we started praying prayers and daring heaven to touch earth in a fresh way. For years and years and years, preachers have and pastors have have been saying that insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And we've cried out to the Lord from, the, 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 from, from a place of integrity, I believe, and desire, saying, Lord, use us. Lord, change us. Lord, whatever you need to do in us, change us so that we can see a move of God break out in our nation. We need it more than ever before. Our world is more secular than it's ever been before. Our education system is more... Uh, is more secular than it's ever been before. Politics is more corrupt than it's ever been before. There's very low trust in society for any of those spaces at this point in time. This is why the answer to um, the answer to our societal problems, in my personal opinion, I don't believe is just another 
uh, godly uh, prime minister or premier or politician. I believe it is an it is a move of God's spirit from the grassroots level in your streets with your neighbors with your family that there would be an intoxication of your home of your mind of your life of your spirit for the things of Jesus. I believe that this revival isn't going to come from the top down. I believe that this move of God is going to come from the bottom up. It's going to come from the least likely. It's going to come from the fishermen. It's going to come from those that were rejected by the religious society of the day. And friend, I believe with all my heart that the world need the church more than ever before. The world need the church to be bringing the message of the good news of Jesus more than ever before. Despite what your opinion is on COVID, despite what your opinion is on vaccinations, despite what your opinion is on those things, one thing that we can have uh, agreement around is that Jesus is the solution. And we must be filling our world with this idea that Jesus is the only way and that if we repent and if we come before him with humility and if we repent of our sins turn from our ways and turn to god's way then god will begin to move and heal our land and i believe that with all my heart we are in this transition period we are in a moment where we are transitioning as a society where there is mass change a lot of that change I don't agree with, a lot of that change I struggle with, a lot of that change, to be perfectly honest and transparent with you today, I don't even know what to do with. All I know to do is, is to pray. All I know is to do is, in these moments, is to lean on Jesus more and more and more because I'm discovering that Matt Garner is running out of ideas in how to fix the world's problems. <laughs> I didn't have many good ones anyway, but friend, when you're at the bottom of the barrel like we are as a society, there becomes one place that you can turn to and that is Jesus. So in this transitional time, in this time where the world is, we've been disconnected, we've been in uh, over 250 something or might have been 260 something days of lockdown here in Victoria. We've been disconnected. We, we've, there's change going all around us. What, what do we do in those transition moments? Who are we in those transition moments? And today what I simply want to do is come back to some thoughts that I had in January of this year. I think it was about the, the 8th or 9th of January um, that I, I, I spoke a message on discipleship. And today I want to ask the same questions almost a year later, 10, 11 months later, around this con concept of who we are as the church. I want to start by asking you this simple question. What does it mean to be a Christian? There probably hasn't been a more poignant and potent time to be trying to be diving deep in trying to answer that question. What does it mean to be a Christian? Of course, it means that we are saved. Of course, it means when this life comes to an end and the Bible teaches us that, and we all know it's true, that 
Everyone is going to die. That's just the truth of it. That's just a part of life. But past this life is eternity and there's judgment on, on the other side of this life. And of course, being a Christian means that our, our eternity and our eternity, that because we are saved and we are born again as believers and followers of Jesus, that we are saved from hell. We believe that it is a fundamental belief of ours. But maturity and the Bible helps us to understand that Christianity isn't just about being saved from hell. Christianity is surely not that shallow. So we've got to keep wrestling with this question of why are we Christian? As we are in this moment right now, why are we a Christian? And if we are Christian, what does that mean to to our world? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for my family? If I say that I'm a Christian, if I and and Alicia says she is a Christian, what does that mean for the atmosphere of our home, for the media that we consume, for the entertainment that we enjoy? What does that mean for the patterns and the habits and the behaviors and the 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 those things, the patterns of our life that we just rush through? What does it mean? And what are the implications to me, Matt Garner, to you, whoever you are watching, what are the implications of that statement when you say, I am a Christian? How does it impact the rest of your life when you say, I am a Christian? If it means we believe in Jesus, what is it we believe about him? Do we believe the, all the words that he's spoken? And is that belief outworked in our everyday life? Or is Christianity something that we're longing to get back to once the craziness of lockdown and lockout is over? Is our Christian faith something we want to return to in that way? Because friend, as we're in this transition, we're faced with a, a dilemma while we can't meet in the way that we're used to meeting around what we're going to do with the rest of our time and are we going to be worshippers of Jesus even while life is being disrupted. This is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28. We'll read from verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's okay to doubt, by the way. You don't have to have it all together. Questioning people. See, if doubt leads to cynicism, um, then it becomes problematic. But if doubt leads to genuine question from a heart that's seeking to know God, it will lead to greater revelation. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What is, what does it mean to be a disciple? I think it was Tozer that, Tozer that said, A.W. Tozer 
uh, he's a, a Christian guy that wrote heaps of books um, quite a while ago now, and he was very articulate and put put um, things in a way that um, was just amazing and mind blowing and helped us unpack the truth of who Jesus is and what the Bible was trying to teach us about him and about ourselves. And he said something along the lines of, I think I've written it down actually, um, that it's it's difficult biblically to separate the Siamese twins of discipleship and conversion. In fact, and, and what he's trying to help us to understand is that if you say you're a disciple, then you're equally saying you're a Christian. If you say you're a Christian, you're equally saying you're a disciple. And I want to be clear that there aren't levels of Christianity that you graduate into. There is just one status. There isn't like the people in the church and the pastor and then Jesus. There is just the people that are the church, in the church, a part of the church. There's just one status in the kingdom of God, and that is son and daughter of the most high God. No one has more or greater access than the other. We all have equal access through the grace and the finished work of Jesus. And that is the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus as a follower of him is that I don't have to continue through my works and through the law, try to achieve a status where heaven will approve of me. Instead, heaven sent Jesus, the Father sent Jesus, the Son of God incarnate on the earth to die as a sacrifice in the place of my life, my sins, my mistakes to um, make a way for me to be in right standing and have access to God, Romans chapter 6. And so we now have access. We have access to God. And as a Christian, we're a disciple. And as a disciple, we're a Christian. We are all just sons and daughters of God. Sons is a gendering inclusive statement in the New Testament. You are a child of God. And as a child of God, you and I have responsibilities and we have um, we have a commission and we have a calling to outwork and to live in our world. I don't want to, uh, I suppose, dig too deep into this, except to, to um, I, I suppose, point out a few things today. Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, we've done a whole teaching on this, on what and who the church is, that we are the church. We acknowledge that, the ecclesia, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. We acknowledge that we, we are that church, but um but I think it's important for us to continue to grapple with this idea of what does this mean for now? As we can't gather, as we can't meet, as we can't do all those sorts of things that we're used to doing. Number one, should we be, um, should, should and does our Christianity and our faith still work when we don't have those Sunday gatherings? Let me give you a quick lesson and a quick synopsis of church history. Firstly, the the most powerful church that we find right throughout church history is the persecuted church. Sadly, the church in the West, simply my opinion, love me for it or hate me for it, that choice is yours, has got drunk on the idea of prosperity and the prosperity gospel and this idea that uh, being a Christian 
everything is gonna go well, well for you, that you're gonna have success, money, you're gonna have the Ferrari, you're gonna have the holiday home, you're gonna have all those sorts of things. And sadly, our belief in who Jesus is gets uh, anchored in this idea of what Jesus is gonna do for us. But the truth of the matter is, is that we worship Jesus, not because of what he can do for us, but because of what he already has done for us. And this whole idea of us accumulating more and more and more and more and more is not the main byproduct that God wants to do in your life. When God says he wants to bless you and we sing that song, The Blessing, we've got to be careful that we don't exclusively acknowledge blessing with finance or blessing with material possessions. The greatest blessing that you and I could ever receive is the gift of salvation and the fact that we are in right standing with God and that that work was finished once and for all at the cross of Jesus. Man, this is just the good news. This is so how powerful it is. But church history shows us that a persecuted church was a powerful church. The church between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 9 enjoyed a peaceful period where, uh, where, where people were being added to the church and, and things were happening overtly and it was all great. Something shifts in the Bible in Acts chapter 9 where persecution starts to arise uh, against the Christians in the Bible. Up until this point in time, I believe it's not until um, after this actually that they're, they're not even called Christians at this point in time. They're called followers of the way, disciples of Jesus. And Acts chapter 9 is where Saul of Tarsus, who, who was uh, the right hand kind of right hand uh, person in training to the most powerful religious person of their time, started significantly persecuting the church. And in Acts chapter 9, it records the first Christian martyr, and his name was Stephen. Stephen was just a man that served in the church. Stephen was a man that in Acts chapter 6, verse number 3, was labeled as a man that was full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, of good character, and volunteered his services to uh, to serve the widows and to, to serve the poor. He wasn't one of the apostles. He wasn't a super Christian. He wasn't anything like that. He was just someone that was so profoundly impacted with the gospel that said, I'm going to make whatever my life is right now, the platform by which God, the name of Jesus is going to get glory out of my life. And Saul of Tarsus, he persecutes the church and he sends people and those people end up stoning Stephen. Now from this moment on, we know a little bit later in Acts chapter 9, this man, Song of Tarsus, has a radical encounter with Jesus. Jesus appears to him after he has gone into heaven. Jesus appears to him and he has an encounter with God that radically changes his life. And this man, Saul, that was the original persecutor of the church, goes from persecutor to apostle. 
And his name is changed from Saul to Paul. And Paul is responsible for writing two-thirds of the New Testament scriptures that we have today and was used mightily of God. And that is the redemptive nature of the work of Jesus. I want you to think about our premier at the moment. And I want you to think that, that God can touch him in a moment and use him powerfully. I want you to think of that person that you hold such a grudge and hatred towards in your heart. And I want you to think about that person. I want you to realize that God can and will, one encounter with God and that person's life can be radically transformed and be used for the glory of God. I want you to think about that person that betrayed you and hurt you and rejected you. And I want you to realize that the grace of God extends to them. And to be a Christian, it means to accept the fact that God's grace reaches places that our human intellect and our own sinful nature will never understand. And so Saul becomes Paul. But wheels are set in motion. And from Acts chapter 9, the church is radically persecuted up until about 230 to 300 AD. It is persecuted. The Christians are uh, lit Nero, one of the most evil uh, uh, em- evil emperors of that time, uses Christians by setting them on fire just simply to light his garden. We know the story is of the gladiators, how Christians were thrown in the Colosseum to be martyred for their faith. What does it mean to be a Christian? I'm trying to help you to understand that while we're grappling and trying to get to back what to get back what we had in the context of church, and I'm all for that. I want to worship together on Sundays. I want to gather in that way. Please hear my heart. I'm just trying to encourage you and I to realize that God wants to move in your life right now, just like He did from Acts chapter nine right through to the end of the book of Acts, right through all of the epistles, right through to this moment in history right now, just like he's moving in Iran, where people are being martyred on a daily basis, beheaded for their faith. They're saying about Iran that it's like China in the 80s and the 90s. The underground church is thriving. Thousands and thousands of people are coming to Christ on a daily basis. And if we're not careful, we start fighting a fight over here that has nothing to do with the call of Jesus for our life. When he said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And I'm trying to encourage you today to don't, uh, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying um, that I don't want to be back at Sundays worshiping together. Of course I do. But I'm trying to challenge you to see that if you call yourself Christian, God's got something for you right now. God is, wants to move through you right now. You have a neighbor that needs to be, um, that needs hope. You've got a, a friend that's locked up with depression and mental illness. You've got someone that needs to hear the goodness of Jesus and they're waiting on a miracle and you're the miracle. You've got the miracle of God's power in your mouth, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And if we're not careful, we can be thinking about trying to get back to that thing that arguably we were praying would shift. We're saying, take me back to what it was like when I was in 2019. And God is all the while saying, man, I'm moving 
amongst those that are open to allowing me to move? Should we be ignorant of the times that we're in? Absolutely not. But equally so, should we be asking God on a daily basis, Lord, what does it mean to be a Christian today? What does it mean to be a disciple today? What does it mean? How can I be your witness today? And being a disciple, being a disciple is so important. And so I'm wanting to revisit that question today with us as a community. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does that mean for my life? What does that mean for my comforts? What does it mean? What does it mean to be a Christian? I want to finish just with, with and close with these, just these final thoughts. These final thoughts. A disciple is someone that intentionally takes part of a spiritual development process. They're committed to progressively learning to live and to surrender their entire life to Jesus. For those of you that are new to Christianity, you might be wondering, why didn't God just wave his magic wand, his miracle wand, and get rid of all my bad habits? And I'll be honest with you, I'm wondering the same thing for my own life. Because we've all got crap that we've got to deal with. We've all got stuff that is just junk that... that um, that we need to continue to submit to Holy Spirit. But for whatever reason, God, I think it's so that we can trust Him more and be more dependent and relying upon Him, allows us to go on this journey and this journey of growth and development and becoming more like Jesus is what we call discipleship. Can I really clarify today? I don't want you to become like me. I don't want you to become like the style of a church. I want you to become like the unique person that God has called you to be. You might want to imitate me as I desire and I look and I seek to lay down my life for others, for the common good of our community, for the, for the service of others. You might want to lay down your life. You might be inspired in that way. Praise God if you are. But friend, ultimately your goal is not to be like the next super Christian pastor. Your goal and my goal is to be like Jesus and allow him to shine through the unique calling and giftings and qualities that we have that he created us with. Discipleship, I want to read this, Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. He calls these the disciples and one of the key attributes to being a disciple, well, two key attributes to being a disciple is these two words, being and going. Being and going. He called them to be with him and he sent them out going. Being and going. Coming and sending. And there must be both happening in our life at the same time. The being and the going. 
that being with Jesus is important. How do we be with Jesus? It's a really good question. And some of the really just foundational basic ways that we can be with Jesus is, is, um, is being in his word. In fact, before we break those things down, let, let me say this. The discipleship happens, being and going happens through four divinely authorized spheres. And I want you to write these four things down. Number one, discipleship, the being and the going happens through these four spheres. Number one, it happens through individual. That's the first sphere. Number two, it happens through family. That's the second sphere. Sphere, not fear. <laughs> Number three, it happens through the priesthood of believers, which we'll call the church. And number four, it happens through community. And by that, I don't mean our church community. I mean our broader community. Individual, family, church, community. Individual, family, church, community. And the being and the going happens in all four. So as an individual, it starts there. Remember, uh, a few weeks ago, we were speaking about everyone. We were speaking about everyone, every day, everywhere. And we were um, talking about this idea of in everywhere of hearts, homes, and hubs, and how Christianity and our faith in Jesus believes first uh, starts first of all in our hearts. And as a disciple, it is your responsibility to guard your heart. It is your responsibility to understand that as an individual, I'm responsible for my discipleship. If you feel disconnected in this time, then can I encourage you, take responsibility for that disconnection. We have a saying in our church, which is a part of our culture, that we want to, um, that we, we want to have a culture of feeders, not a culture that people are being fed. See, babies are fed. But people that have a level of maturity are feeders. Every Sunday, or whether it's this or this, there's hours and hours and hours of content online just from our church, let alone so many other places that you can source really amazing, enriching content that will build up your faith. The table has been laid, but if you don't open up your mouth and start eating, if you don't go, you might say, I'm feeling disconnected. Well, we're going to provide a whole lot of avenues, but you've got to be a feeder in this time instead of waiting to be fed. One of the hallmarks that you're an immature Christian is that you're waiting for someone to spoon feed you and walk you through that. And that's okay if you're new to Christianity. We get that. We understand that. But the truth is, is the church is full of people that are still waiting for the organization of the church to feed them. But we've got to take responsibility for the individual sphere of our being with Jesus. Friend, I cannot pray on your behalf. You must do it yourself. You must take responsibility for the being with Jesus. I can't read the Bible on your behalf. I can't get revelation on your behalf. I can revelation, unless it's illuminated by the Holy Spirit into your life, just comes across as just another sermon, just another message. And so you've got to be being in that individual sphere with Jesus. You do that through the Bible. You do that in Christian community. You do that through prayer. You do that uh, by being a feeder 
of the things of God. Develop an appetite for the things of God. We also do that in our going. In our going, come on, you've got to take personal responsibility for the mission of God for your life. We're so, um, uh, we are, I'll say it like this, in the Western church, we are addicted to the idea and we are trapped in a pattern and a way of doing church life where the organization of the church um, organizes the mission of the church. And I believe that the future of the church is where the individual, the organism of the church, takes responsibility for the mission of the church. In other words, where you and 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 every single person that says they're a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, acknowledges that there is a unique mission that God has for them. And that the realm of their mission starts in that sphere of who they are individually in contact with. It could be family, it could be neighbors, it could be at the, at the checkout, it could be um, it could be down at the local shops or the sporting club or wherever it might be, God's got you on mission. Family, family is just so important in the being and the going of our relationship with Jesus of being a disciple. Uh, take responsibility. Come on, parents, for your home and for what's happening in your home. Foster an atmosphere of worship and faith and positivity and raise conversations and questions about the things of God and do this on a regular basis. You primarily, I say this all the time, but the church that I pastor first is my home. My greatest commitment, I hate to tell you this, sorry, I don't want to offend you or hurt your feelings. I'm sure it won't. But my primary commitment in my life, full stop, is to bringing leadership, godly leadership, and being a priest to my home before I am a shepherd to the wider church community. Obviously in church, discipleship happens through the priesthood of believers. You're not meant to do theology. You're not meant to do, uh, to, to do life in that way on your own. In our Ecclesia series, we discovered that the true definition, when you really dig deep into the Greek meaning of that word Ecclesia, is it doesn't mean I am the church. It means we are the church. This group, this body of people, we are the church and collectively we represent the kingdom of heaven on earth. You, you, yes, you can have a relationship with God. Yes, you can go to heaven. Yes, you can be in right standing with God and not go to church and not be connected to a community. But friend, you will live a, um, I just, this is my personal opinion, that it will be a, a watered down version. It will have less impact It'll have less fruit. It'll be less challenging, inspiring, and, and all of the above if you just do it as an island, as you just do it solo because you think you don't need people. The community of God was created to be connected. Remember, the Bible describes us as a body, as a many-membered body, and we need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other to be in health, spiritually speaking, to stay sharp uh, and to, um, to stay in, right, uh, in relationship and grow with Jesus. And the last but not least is community. 
We've got to be a people that understand this is more applicable to the, uh, to the going than the being. But we've got to understand that God wants to use us. Discipleship happens in that realm. You say, how does it happen in that realm? I thought discipleship was for Christians. Well, our Western mindset, we disciple, we, we kind of evangelize to convert people, right? But a Jewish way of approaching this thought um, is less around bringing them to a place of conversion and more around discipling them or bringing the community on a journey where we are discipling them full stop. See, remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 says, go and make disciples of all nations. How can you make a disciple of nations, let alone individuals that don't believe in Jesus? Well, you do that by establishing heaven's rule, heaven's thought, heaven's way, the way of love, the way of the gospel in the world. And friend, I'm just inviting you today to ask that question. What does it mean for me today? If I call myself a Christian, what does that look like? Who can I be? What can I do? Lord, how can you use me today? Father, I'm praying for every single person that there would just be an unlocking of this thought that would realize that we're on mission. Lord, in our individual lives, in our family, in church and community, that you would help us to see Jesus, that you want to use us. And Lord, whilst we're praying for our community, our society at this time, as, it's, as, as it is in a significant transition, and we're praying, Father, that um, we're praying, Father, right now for our politicians. We're praying for their salvation, Jesus. We're praying that you would use them powerfully for your glory. Lord, we're praying that righteous voices would, st- would rise up in this time. We're also praying, Father, in this time, more than any of anything else, We're praying, I'm praying, Jesus, that you would show the church how powerful she is. You'd show us, show me, show our community. Father, give us that revelation that you want to use us right now, even in the mess, even in the transition. I'm praying, Father, that you would release evangelists, release those with with just the message of the good news in their mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to connect. Come and say hi to us. And um, get out of your house and come and say hi. Come and hang out with us at Empower Church. God bless you.